Hey guys, I'm Chris. Hey everybody, I'm Robert. And we're the Film Flamers. And we are here to shoot the flames for the last time in 2021. That's right. This is December's Shooting the Flames. We're ready to kick off the holiday spirit. That's right. Some An evil say. spirit. <laughs> An extravaganza. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I think we're ready to sh- like kick 2021 right out the door. I feel That's like right. we keep saying that more often these years. That's right. Ever since 2020. Can we just have a perfect year for once? Some people say 2021 is worse than 2020. I disagree. I disagree. But not good. I'll be celebrating at the end of it. But we do have some things to celebrate this month. That's right. We hit 50,000 downloads. That's a milestone for us. That's right. So we have you listeners to thank for that. Did you think that we'd ever reach that when we started this podcast? I don't know. You know, 50,000. I mean, you could think that's a lot. You could think that's a little bit. But what that kind of equals out to is just hundreds and hundreds of thousands of hours listened. Well, I think it's safe to say that we are not ending our podcast we we're just getting started really yeah we have a lot of stuff planned like for years to come so we do we actually have a spreadsheet <laughs> that's right literally for years <laughs> so uh before you know it we might be talking about reaching a hundred thousand downloads oh my goodness but on a more somber note uh we would like to take a moment to give a special shout out to one of our patrons charlotte and sort of recognize that she's going through sort of a rough time right now. That's right. Charlotte reached out to us. She's had a personal tragedy in her life. We'd really like to dedicate this episode to you, Charlotte. So we'd like to thank you for all your years of listening to us. And we're happy that we can give even a small moment, even just a millisecond of comfort and relief to you or to really anyone else that's going through a hard time right now. So Charlotte, this one's for you. Yeah. We have a jam-packed episode. There's lots of comments, reviews, and finally some news this month. So uh, why don't we jump right into it? That's right. So first up, we've got a review from McGuirkus. (laughs) I believe this is one of our favesies. Favesies. God, I promise never to say that again. (laughs) No one to make you from now on. Yeah, I believe it's Kimberly, right? So uh, one of uh, my favorite podcasts, the best word podcast in my humble opinion, and one of my favorites, I never miss an episode. Well, thank you, McGurkis. <laughs> we also got a review from Proflautus1, which is a patron as well. I think this is Dr. Joe. And he left us a review titled Film Flame and Fun. He says, the film flamers are an awesome duo. They bring a nice bit of comedy to their serious deep dive discussions of horror and horror adjacent films, all while interacting with their listeners. The film flamers always take it deep. They leave no stone unturned. In their deep dives of horror films, they provide historical context along with their own social commentary, which is sometimes serious, sometimes hilarious, oftentimes both. This is a must hear podcast. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Joe. Pro flautist. <laughs> we always take it deep. We try. Yeah. I mean, I really do sometimes we do. We Sometimes we go deeper than others. <laughs> I mean, we're literally about to talk about comments from a shallow dive. So. That's right. That we called a shallow dive ourselves. But hey, must hear, though. We really appreciate all the reviews that come in. They help people find our podcast. So you can leave us these on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Just leave us a five-star rating and why you like us. And we'll read that on the next Shooting the Flames. That's right. On to our comments. We've got a lot of comments from our deep dive into The Exorcist. A lot. Brandon over on Patreon said, great take on a classic. I do agree that this should really have ended here in terms of movies. However, the 2016 series was a great surprise. You're lured into the series thinking that this is another family being torn apart by possession before the rug is torn out from under you when it's revealed that this is an older Reagan's family. 
Gina Davis, an undervalued gem, is fantastic and does a great job continuing the story from the first movie. But like the Exorcist movie, the series should have ended there. Season two was a dud. I have seen the first two episodes of this because when it was released on Fox or whatever channel it was on, I had a DVR at that point. And so I like DVR'd every single episode and it sat on my DVR for over a year before I started watching it. I watched the first two episodes and I gave up. Oh, really? Yeah. It seemed good, you know, but like I I said before, I love Gina Davis and I don't know. I mean, I just, I kind of have a hard time with episodic things, especially if you have to wait weeks. But like I said, I had it on my DVR. I could have easily watched it. I don't know why I didn't. I mean, I do want to go back and watch it. I've heard good things. Yeah. Our list is going to just longer and longer and longer. The things are slipping through our fingers. That's right. Thank God we have planned our podcast to go on forever so we can watch all these things. And perhaps we shouldn't start including more TV, but of course that's harder to do because it's, you know, two hours of prep is different than 12 to 24 hours of prep. That's right. You know, of watching at least because there's more that we do on top of that, including research and of course editing and notes and prep and everything else so we could do it you know you never know never yeah, say never that's right but we, kimberly we for the mike flanagan stuff oh yeah every once in a while we do we still haven't come back and done the latest midnight mass yeah i do want to talk about that eventually yeah we we have things we need to add to the docket very least we'll talk about it in our hot takes but i'd have to re-watch the whole thing i think at this point to really talk about it in depth and i wouldn't mind doing that no me either Kimberly followed up on that comment about the Exorcist series on Patreon, and she said, I started the series and gave up about three-fourths of the way through. The only thing that kept me going to that point was the hot Latin priest. Nice. I really appreciate that comment, Kimberly, because he was kind (laughs) of hot. I do remember that vividly. Bennett over on Patreon said, there's a lot to notice in this film on repeat viewings, but I never noticed Tapazuzu has such a big dick and balls. Wowza. (laughs) And he has that, he's like the, the snake penis, right? It's yeah. The snake penis. And in the prequels, it's a double snake penis. So, mm-hmm. You know, go big or go home. I mean, really, Pazuzu. I mean, I didn't really notice either, though, until like a couple of viewings ago. My big takeaway from that comment is that I'm going to start saying wowza more often, I feel. I feel like that's an underused expression. It is. Wowza. At Battle Burrito over on Twitter said, great episode. Literally laughed out loud a few times. Yeah. I don't know if we were intentionally being funny in that episode, were we? We never are. It's like the funniest times where we're actually not trying to be. <laughs> we were told like left and right that some of the Exorcist stuff was some of the best and most funny stuff we've had out in a while for some reason. So Unintentionally. We'll just keep talking about stuff we kind of like. Yeah. <laughs> Movies that we kind of like that have... <laughs> no, we, well, we really, we actually love The Exorcist. We so, do. Yeah. The big cock and balls on that statue is just a bonus point. <laughs> At Eats Mario said, I'm surprised you didn't call the Golden Globes the Golden Dirty Pillows. <laughs> That's a fucking missed opportunity. <laughs> Thank you, Eats Mario. We're going to call them that from now on. That's right. At HexyWitch666 said, Hey guys, I'm from the UK and just discovered your podcast on Spotify. Can't stop laughing at the Cassie, I mean, Carrie episode. Glad you covered The Exorcist. It's one of my fave movies. Have a great day. Well, you too. And actually, you can go to our store now because we have a Cassie t-shirt. Just That's for right. You. <laughs> it's awesome. Yes. Head over to thefilmflamers.com, click on visit our store, and you can get your very own Cassie t-shirt. We're all sorry about this t-shirt, Cassie. <laughs> Fembot18 over on Instagram said, this was one of your best episodes yet, and I've been listening for years. Love you guys. Keep on flaming. We will. Thank you. I flame stronger every day. 
And thank you for that. I mean, like from someone who's been listening for years, like saying that that's your best episode. I mean, yeah. In fact, my husband, Matt, said it was one of our best episodes and he couldn't really put a pin on why. I liked it. I, I kind of enjoyed having all the conversations about the Exorcist movies. Yeah. So I think a lot of it has to do with just being maybe if we cover things we like. Then, <sighs> no. <laughs> is that is that the secret sauce? What a strange concept. <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't really like The Exorcist too, but I liked that episode. Me too. So. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't really track. Yeah, well. Hex Massacre over on Instagram said, y'all made my heart hurt when you said The Guardian was a stinker. And that's when we were talking about some of William Friedkin's other horror movies. I mean, that's not to say that I wouldn't watch it at any given moment. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not the best movie, but it's fun. I mean, it's about like... Some nanny who's trying to sacrifice a baby she's watching to a tree or something. Oh, I, I haven't okay. seen it in a long time, but it's not it's not good. Nice. <laughs> well, you on. have to try. Yeah, you have to care. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you stupid movie. <laughs> Dr. Joe over on Patreon said, thank you again for another great episode. The Exorcist is the fave horror film above all others for me and my family. It's a must watch for family gatherings. It's one my older brother introduced to me when I was really young, probably five or six years old. I've always loved this film, the general fear and feeling of helplessness and then being saved. There are a few films that have achieved pure visceral horror, but The Exorcist is one. I think there's even a scene where Father Marin talks about this. The reason an innocent child is possessed is to make us question our faith. It's meant to be ugly. It's meant to make us question, and ultimately it's meant... To make us renew our faith. Personally, I think that's a shitty way to get followers. But then again, I'm a lapsed Catholic. As you have mentioned, as you both mentioned, the acting in this film is phenomenal. Ellen Burstyn gives me chills in this movie. And that moment when the doctors rush in and she screams, no, it's so guttural and heart wrenching. Yeah, I mean, I really wish that I could be a part of your family, actually, if like a must watch for family gatherings is the exorcist. For real. I'm like, I'm a little fucking jealous, Dr. Joe. My family gets together. I want to watch like To Kill a Mockingbird, which is equally good, you know, but like sad. Uh, We also got a voicemail about our Exorcist episode from Kimberly. Hey, guys, it's Kimberly. Uh, The Exorcist is one of the very few horror movies that still legitimately scares the shit out of me. And I made the mistake of listening to this episode while doing laundry in my 123-year-old basement. Um, Big mistake. Big. Huge. I have to go do laundry now. Bye. (laughs) 122-year-old basement. (laughs) I kind of like to tour that. That sounds like a maybe a a nook we can visit. I know. It sounds like an on-location podcast recording area, right? (laughs) Also, I'm really happy that someone got scared listening to one of our episodes. Like, I want to know what what scared you. Yeah, what did scare you? Was it the synopsis or, like, some of the other spooky things, like the clips that we had in part of the discussion? I'd Mm -hmm. love to know. I I never thought anyone would be actually scared by our discussion of the horror movies, but I guess it's possible, yeah. Especially if you're in a 122-year-old basement. Jesus Christ. I mean, like... (laughs) But um, there's a sound in your voicemail. That sounds kind of like Pazuzu. (laughs) Maybe you should get out of the house. (laughs) So, yeah. Let us know what that was and if you're still alive. (laughs) God, we hope so because we love your voicemails. Um, You know, I actually got a little scared listening to that episode because you played that extended clip, you know, the let Jesus fuck you moment. Yeah. And like 
even just listening to it, not not even watching anything, like it's still frightening just to hear. So I get it. Although, yeah, and it can bring back all your PTSD from watching the film too. Just hearing some of the clips. I'm still happy that we scared someone with an episode, though. That makes and all me the happy. music that we played. <laughs> yeah. Now we have some comments from our shallow dive into The Exorcist Two: The Heretic. Nikki over on Patreon said, we watched this last night. I co-sign on everything you said. I could pick out all the things y'all were going to mention while I was watching. Weird Glass Office, Call Me By Your Dream Name, How Good Linda Blair Looked, The Apartment Patio of Beauty and Death, <laughs> Kokomo. So basically, I've listened to enough episodes that the film flamers have become my internal Waldorf and Statler. So that's wonderful. Oh, and a young James Earl Jones made me happy. Talk about screen presence. Yes. Yeah, I love that makes us that makes us so happy that we're your we're your internal Waldorf and Statler. And of course, for anyone that doesn't know, those are the two old men Muppets. Right. That are just critiquing everything <laughs> from like the, the balcony, the balcony seats. Yeah. The theater. I will say that when I read this, this comment, I now I cannot hear the song Call Me By Your Name anymore because I've just been running around going, call me by your dream name <laughs> and exercise me in private. <laughs> it's ruined. <laughs> call me by my dream name. <laughs> Love it. At Battle Burrito said, looking back, I'm pretty sure that the psychologist's office was totally an opium den. <laughs> and I think I replied back and said, another good reason to visit. <laughs> <laughs> I'd record my podcast there. Sure. With opium. So we got a comment from Dr. Joe over on Patreon. He said, loved, loved, loved your Exorcist 2 episode. You had me cracking up with the commentary that said, I totally agree with Chris's comments on why the movie is such a bomb. I think the movie does tell a decent story, but it feels like that story is being told by someone who's never heard a story or read a book for that matter. (laughs) (laughs) Insert shade sound effect here. (laughs) Right? (laughs) There's a lot of shade about that movie, especially from freaking yeah oh my god i loved that quote yeah but yeah obviously i agree with myself (laughs) and you for agreeing with me i mean i mean i get it too i mean like i said in that episode i think like the the end product is all bad really but that's just a really sum of bad parts yeah i think the plan was there they just executed you know it's like handing off blueprints to the Taj Mahal and then someone building a fucking grass hut, you know? <laughs> and with the right amount of drugs, I might think that grass hut is the Taj Mahal. I really think that explains <laughs> everything about this rewatch of The Exorcist 2 for me. From our deep dive into Exorcist 3, Dr. Joe from Patreon said, This movie has totally moved me and been a big deal in my horror movie development. I think there's a full point in this movie for Brad Dourif. It's meant to portray how evil and disgusting he is. O-M motherfucking G, that nurse death jump scared the hell out of me. For that scene in particular, your analysis may be missing something. This was one of the first movies where surround sound was embedded. So much like the original movie where there's subliminal shit happening in this movie, THX was super new. And this one was not only well-timed, it was a jump scare that involved all that crazy sound pushing and punching. My brother maintains he still has fingernail scars from me grabbing him so hard when my nine-year-old self freaked out in the theater. I also freaked out when I saw it the first time, and thankfully nobody was with me, so I didn't have to scar them for life. Yeah, I mean, it is oddly, like, stereo during mm-hmm. that scene. I noticed that because I just actually watched it again right That's before right. this yesterday. And because uh, uh, Matt hadn't seen it. And um, it does go full surround on that on that Dolby shock. 
it is kind of loud, especially when paired with the quietness of that the rest of that moment. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, it's it's shocking. So, but I stand I stand by that. That's probably one of the best jump scares like ever, and certainly like the mother of jump scares possibly. Yeah, they need to get a new ice machine. <laughs> Quack. <laughs> Kara over on Facebook says three is in my top five movie list. Brad Dorf rocks. And of course, ceiling granny for the win. <laughs> I do like that ceiling granny. Yeah. Just like turning her head around and looking. Yeah. They made her like go super fast. They had everyone else kind of moving around normally. And then she, they had her moving around super fast. So they had two different plates going on. So that was a pretty cool way to do that. Do you think you would have noticed something like that in real life? Yes. Yeah. I think so. People well. have a thing called peripheral vision. I know. Like what the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> Get down from there, grandma. Not again. That's the second time this week. <laughs> Someone get the broom. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> Call me by your granny name. <laughs> so Ashley over on Facebook said, I am so glad you covered this because I had no idea there was a second book written by Blatty. I can't wait to read it. It's a very good book, Ashley. Go out and pick up a copy and read it because it's amazing. Mm. Promise. From our hot take on Halloween Kills, at Matthew T. McHenry said, well, I guess he quoted and said, Muppety Celine Dion looking boy, dot, 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 and made several cry laugh emojis. (laughs) (laughs) That Muppety Celine Dion looking boy. (laughs) One long face. (laughs) I am so glad that Muppety Celine Dion looking boy is dead and will not be coming back for Halloween ends. (laughs) Oh, it's true, though. From our Shooting the Flames episode in November last month, uh, Hex Massacre from Instagram said, I would temper your expectations for Black Friday. It's a hot mess relying on premise alone. Even Lance doesn't like it, and he's nice to every movie. So this is uh, Erica, formerly of the Customers Also Watch podcast, and she has a podcast um, called Unsung Horrors with her co-host Lance. And he is nice to a lot of movies. So mm. if he didn't like it, and I've also seen things online now that it's just not very good. Although I'm still going to watch it. Yeah, that was a trailer with Bruce Willis. Sorry, Bruce Campbell. Mm-hmm. And Devin Sawa. Mm-hmm. Apparently it's less than an hour and a half long. So I mean, mm. even if it's bad, it's not that long. Right? Well, I just rewatched The Host or just Host, I guess, which was like the Zoom Mm-hmm. Uh, the Zoom meeting horror movie, which I still doubled down on it with a four star. High and that's like an hour long. Movie, Super good. Right? It's 50 minutes. Yeah. Super I, good. I, I mean, I, I need to watch it again because I didn't really care for it the first time. Yeah. From our deep dive into Halloween 2018, Bennett over on Patreon said, I still have only seen the original Halloween from 1978, but based on what I've heard about the sequels, I'm probably okay in that regard. So I can't say for sure whether or not this was the scariest movie of 2018, but I'm going to guess it wasn't. That would have been Kevin Spacey's first unsolicited Christmas Eve YouTube video, Let Me Be Frank. <laughs> no movie scared me that year as much as getting a news blast saying Kevin Spacey tweeted for the first time in a while. It sent chills down my spine, and the video was even more shocking. No gay man is safe. Turn away and scream. Run. <laughs> Run. You have to try. You have to hide. Leave me alert. <laughs> Damn it, it works for everything. <laughs> Let me learn. <laughs> we may have to like link to that in the fucking show notes. Yeah. Now. We just like drop that fucking hand everywhere. <clears throat> 
from our deep dive into alien resurrections earlier this summer. Bennett from Patreon said, this movie has got to be one of the weirdest combinations of talent in recent memory. Many of the players in front of and behind the camera are great on their own, but not necessarily combined. I also agree that Ron Perlman can be entertaining character actor, but man, does he get some dreadful dialogue in this lame excuse for a sequel. Whenever I heard him utter lines like, Earth man, what a shithole, or must be a chick thing. I kept wondering how much Joss Whedon got paid to write this drivel. P.S. Chris mentioned how ironic it was that the sequel also looks like a David Fincher film. Funny you say that because this is not a coincidence. The cinematographer, Darius Kanji, who worked with director Jean-Pierre Wanette on previous films like Delicatessen, as well as with Fincher on Seven. Touche. Oh, I guess that explains that. You know, and I Yeah, had- they added silver to the film stock, I guess just like they did with Seven. I didn't catch it was the same fucking cinematographer. And here I thought that we would never be talking about Alien Resurrection again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure it'll come back to haunt us. Yeah, it's cool. That's a, that's a good factoid, though. Yeah, so. and we love we love it when you guys go to older episodes, even if it's just from the summer, you know. But years ago, please go back to old deep dives or old, you know, anything, and you know, let your comments be heard because we will respond to them just as if they were new episodes. So, especially if there are fun facts, yeah. you know, we love fun facts. Yeah. We have some questions, and the first one is coming from Bennett over on Patreon, and he said, Robert mentioned that many things scare him, including McDonald's commercials. Please elaborate. Now, usually the anecdote is that you cry at the drop of a hat, and this is the first time I heard that, too. I didn't know you got scared, including McDonald's commercials. I wasn't. I was making a joke, because I do. I do cry at everything, like every fucking thing, Yeah. right? And... um. There was a McDonald's commercial that made me cry many years ago. Well, I, I think that made everyone example. cry. I think the one where he's like handing like the deaf kid or something. The little blind girl of menu oh. and Braille. Oh, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it just like, even now I'm feeling a little choked up. So, but I do, I, I get scared at everything too. Like horror movies just scare me in general. They could be the shittiest piece of shit and I would still be scared by it. So I was, I was just making a reference to something that no other listener would know except for Chris. <laughs> so there's really nothing to elaborate on. Sorry. <laughs> Alexis over on Facebook said, so I've been listening to you guys and you said, if you have ideas, shoot a message. So here goes top final girls. Uh, films that have changed your life or perspective on film, uh, traumatizing movies, Scream, like is, is Stu dead? Coraline, is it a horror movie? Um, most unsettling or uncomfortable movies, The Night House, uh, Random Acts of Violence, Color of Outer Space, um, or I think it's Color Color Out of Space. Yeah. Yeah. Hereditary, Scariest Dawn, Violent Movies, interesting. Uh, behind the Scenes, for like the wildest, crazy things cast and crew has done for a film. And movies that get praised but suck. <laughs> I don't know that I have a lot of movies that get praised but suck. Yeah, but there's a lot of good ideas here. Uh, obviously, some of them we actually already have. Kind of, you know, nebulous yeah. ideas. You know, we have a multi-page spreadsheet with a bunch of top tens ideas and things like that. But we're not going to do anything unless we're, like, super passionate about it or, or, or there's, like, enough content to be super passionate about to have an opinion past, like, number three, four. You know what I mean? And there will be some times that we talk about like the most traumatizing movies organically in a conversation. Maybe if we're talking about a movie that happened to have traumatized us, I'm sure it would just come up in conversation that other movies have done. Now, for a while ago, about two, maybe three years ago, we were doing something on Patreon uh, for like Spotlight on a Scene or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And we were talking about scenes in horror movies or any movie that was kind of formative for us. Right. Yeah. 
And so if you look back in this Patreon history, then there should be at least five or six of those, I think. Yeah, and we had some pretty good scenes. Like we talked about movies like The Birds. Anatomy of a Scene. Anatomy of a Scene, that's what it was called. Yeah. yeah. We haven't done that in a while. No. We should bring that back sometime. Yeah, we've been doing like full movies for yeah. for Patreon. Well, you know, if you guys are patrons and you know you'd rather have some other random stuff, let us know, please. Yeah, mayhaps we might send out another poll. Who knows? Alexis, I will say that uh, I really want to see The Night House, like really bad. It's like one of the one of the movies that came out this year that I was really dying to see in the theater, and I missed. But um, I'm sure we'll be talking about it on our year end review in January. So stay tuned for that. Bennett sent us uh, one of two voicemails, so here is the first. Hello, Tired Queens. This is Bennett uh, calling there. Uh, I just wanted to leave a voicemail and ask if you guys happen to have maybe gotten around to watching any of the uh, Chucky TV series at all lately. Uh, I'm speaking as someone who uh, used to. I, I didn't watch any of those movies when I was younger because just seeing Chucky's face on a on the cover of a video of a video just like scared the shit out of me. So I mean, just seeing that alone. So of course I didn't watch them when I was younger, and I've only seen Bride of Chucky when, uh, out of the movies uh, when I was older. I had an ex boyfriend who uh, uh, managed to convince me to watch that and was pretty amused by it there. Uh, but anyway, I ended up finally getting the courage to watch some of this TV series there, and I have gotten hooked there. So. Uh, that shows I've come a real long way since I was a kid there because uh, I was curious about this knowing that the lead character in this is a gay teenager or that it features a gay teenager centered, you know, in the story. And so Chucky kind of acting as this kid's uh, kind of like, uh, I don't know, evil guardian angel or something, whatever you want to call it. They're kind of seeking revenge on all of his bullies, at least in the beginning of it there. Uh, we'll see where else it goes. Uh, that's just really calling an interest at first there. So I'm curious to see where it goes, but uh Anyway, just thought I'd see if you guys have caught any of that and what your thoughts might be. Yeah, sweet dreams. Yeah, no, I don't think either of us have seen the Chucky TV series, but it, I've heard really good things. Yeah. You know, and so you're not the first person to tell us that. And uh, I really, really need to to sit down and, and check it out. It's actually kind of really high on my list, right? Because I've only heard good things about it from like the horror community at large on social media, not even just like the queer horror community. But I do hear that it's a very queer inclusive um, series. And mm-hmm. so that does pique my interest, right? Um, I kind of liked when things are on TV, I don't like to watch them episodically. I'd rather wait for it to be completely done and then I'll watch an entire season. So yeah. I know it's reaching its end if have not already by the time this episode comes out. So I think we're both really anxious to check it out. Definitely. And here's that second voicemail. Hello, Tired Queens. This is Bennett calling again there. I had a suggestion of a meme to make for a, a theme for one month and I don't know if they thought of it or not. I don't think thought about maybe doing a Sharon Stone month someday, like and cover doing deep dives on uh, Basic Instinct and Sliver, some of her earlier hits back then. I know Roberts mentioned those titles there, so I thought those might be maybe at the back of your mind somewhere. But I just thought I thought I'd bring it out there for you to think about. Anyway, just a thought. Have a good night. Mayhaps uh, a pairing with a nice Halle Berry Catwoman. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Bennett, yes, we have thought about doing a Sharon Stone month, but not really Sharon Stone. So maybe just as a teaser for a future episode, Chris and I have been talking about covering Showgirls yes. and Basic Instinct mm-hmm. as two deep dives that month because they're both directed by Verhoeven. Mm-hmm. And just because I love that movie, even though it's trash, 
over on Patreon, where you will probably be talking about Sliver that month. Yeah. So, and I have such a hard on to talk about that movie. Come on. Showgirls. All of those. Uh, I love Sliver. It's first ace. <laughs> you just know. Listen, you can't see this, but I'll be doing this the whole time. <laughs> like putting my hands in front of my face in some dance motion. Just dance. <laughs> it's first ace. <laughs> So yeah, look forward to that, Bennett, and everybody, really, because that's going to be a really fucking fun month. <laughs> well, unfortunately, we have no new patrons to bring to your attention this month, but mayhaps next month. So tell your friends, tell your family, if you enjoy us, let everyone else know. That's right. You can head over to patreon.com slash the film flamers and join the family. Check out all of our bonus content. We'll read your name on the next shooting the flames, but we have to shout out our patrons who are at the film flamer tier or higher over on Patreon, and they are Ben. Dr. Joe. Kimberly. Lisa. Penelope. But especially Lisa. Penelope. <laughs> Horror News. So, as you recall, last month we had nothing, no news. Nope. Dearth. Of, of interest, really. So that's changed. Scorched dearth. <laughs> Scorched dearth. <laughs> <laughs> Is that like D apostrophe Earth? <laughs> Scorched to Earth. <laughs> Jesus Christ, it's just been a long day or something. I'm laughing at everything. <clears throat> um, so first up, two actors, two more actors have joined the cast of Netflix's Stephen King adaptation of Mr. Harrigan's Phone. Which is part of a fuller adaption of Stephen King's work, right? I don't know if they're adapting all the stories from that particular set of novellas. It's one of the stories that they're telling. Good. I hope so. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I really, really enjoyed all of those novellas. This one happened to be my my favorite in that book. It made me cry. But it's Ryan Murphy doing it. So, of course, they're probably going to do like everything. Up, yeah. Uh, but uh, Donald Sutherland is playing Mr. Harrigan in this, and then Jay Martell from It oh. is going to play playing the kid. So oh. this is a really good story. It's kind of about this kid who does like random jobs around the house for this older guy who lives in like his neighborhood, and he gives him his first cell phone, but the old man dies, so he buries the cell phone with it. And every time this kid is having a traumatic event, his phone will ring, and it will be Mr. Harrington's number pop up. Right, it's just it's just a really good, very touching story. I always love seeing Donald Sutherland. Me too. He's always so good. Do you enjoy seeing Kiefer? Not as much. Maybe either. No. Hmm. I just hate him every time he's not his father. <laughs> You're the worst Sutherland. <laughs> anyway, I'm super excited for this adaptation. Leave me alone, Kiefer. <laughs> 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 Oh, shit. For those of you who aren't in the know, Leave Me Alone is a skit on SNL, so you should look it up. I wasn't in the know until just now, and I'm so glad that I've seen it. (laughs) Next up is Evil Dead Rise, and Bruce Campbell is saying that the movie is dark and pretty serious. This does not involve him at all. It's another Evil Dead movie without Bruce uh, Bruce Campbell or Sam Raimi in the director or acting helms. No. Uh, although I think there's some, you know, production credits, you know, obviously. Uh, like Bruce Campbell, I believe, was a producer on 2011s or 2012s, whatever it was back then, Evil Dead. Oh, the, the reboot movie? Yeah. Yeah, Sam Raimi was too. So this is about kind of like the, the Book of the Dead, the Necronomicon or whatnot being kind of passed around. And they kind of discover it in, I guess, their apartment building or their house or something. And yeah. it's a family having to deal with it, right? And so there's like brothers having to kill sisters and things like that. And it's pretty heavy. 
So, and maybe parents having to kill children, possibly. Exactly. So I don't know. It could be interesting. And it also takes place in a city, right? So it's like Los Angeles. So, yeah. I mean, there's no telling what they could do with that kind of a storyline. I just want to give the people what they want. We want another, like, Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell Evil Dead movie. That's all we fucking want. But they keep giving us the opposite. I mean, I really, I, I enjoy the Evil Dead series for its comedic value, but I also really enjoyed the seriousness of the reboot. Like, I think that it was a really, really good remake movie. And I'm, I'm okay with it being serious. But yeah, I do want to see Bruce Campbell, though. Like, always. So, I don't know. This is going to be on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. There's no date that it's coming out yet, but it's already been completed. So yeah. It's about addiction. <laughs> <laughs> Too serious for you? <laughs> you like Maybe your it was one of those funny? early things, like Hereditary or something, where it's a message movie, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it was. So finally, we have some news about the FX Alien series, and Ridley Scott says it's going to be eight to ten hours long. Like a normal miniseries. That's right. Okay. <laughs> and that's it for news. <laughs> no, he's, he's also saying that it's going to be taking place on Earth, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of something we already knew as well. Um, and it's going to be like something that instead of being trapped on it, it's going to be like the horror of the wide open space. Like you can't contain this thing. You know what I mean? And that's been a problem before that they've kind of explored in the colony and everything, kind of dealing with the aftermath of that issue in right. Aliens, right? And so this is kind of like that story. I, I'd almost wish it was actually a, uh, a series of what happened on that colony. Oh, yeah. You know, but, oh, before they got there? You know, but yeah. Ridley Scott has to keep pumping out the shitty ideas. So. <laughs> well, and he's, it's not even written yet. He says, like, they, they've written a... a um, Oh my God, what's it called? A treatment. But I mean, it's, yeah, they've written like the story treatment, but I don't even know if he's completely greenlit signed on permanently to be an executive producer. He know. is in talks as far as I know. So he's leaking inf- privileged information <laughs> from a team that he may not actually be partnering with yet. So, And the other but. piece of information from that article is that they're also doing a Blade Runner series that he's sort of... Yeah, Maybe they're doing that. They, I don't know if there's going to be any kind of tie-in or, or whatnot because they might be in the same. Predator, Blade Runner, and Alien, they might all be in the same kind of universe. You know, like Ash was a robot and might have come from like the Tyrell Corporation. Okay. All that stuff, right? So who the fuck knows, really? I don't know. I mean, like I would, I would watch an Alien series just because I've seen the rest of the franchise, you know? But I don't know if it's terrible. I'll turn it off. We'll see how it goes. I mean, Ridley Scott's been like all out in the news recently because of his bomb, his recent bomb. The Last Duel. The Last Duel, which I've heard is a good movie. You know, it's just like it wasn't really marketed well, I guess. Mm -hmm. He praised the marketing people, but he couldn't do it without like dragging the MCU through the shit, you know. But did he do House of Gucci? All the MCU moves are boring as shit or whatever. It just makes you look like a like an asshole, man. It's like don't shit on other people's work. Just like don't, you know, make as, as an excuse for your own work, you know. Like, what, is he just mad because no one's asked him to direct any curmudgeon-y. Marvel movies? No one wants him to. <laughs> Fuck you, Ridley Scott, except for the movies we like. Just finish the Prometheus and Covenant thing and we'll be happy. <laughs> happy now, now that I like those movies. Coming soon. First up, we've got Silent Night, and that's an AMC Plus, I think, uh, day and date theater release as well, or maybe mm-hmm. just AMC Plus, but it stars Kira Knightley and Matthew Good, and it's kind of a dark comedy, right? At the end of the world, they're about to be like nuked in the morning by some sort of noxious instant death gas, I guess, by Russia or some other you know party, 
and uh, they're all having Christmas to get dinner together and they're like stealing things from the store and they're telling their kids they're going to die. And the trailer kind of ends in a really dark place, but it starts off in a really comedic place. So I'm really looking forward to this because it looks like it's going to be very unique and interesting. Yes, I have to agree. I kind of like, well, I do like dark Christmas movies anyway. I love Christmas horror movies. And this seems very, very remotely horror adjacent. But sometimes we can lump dark comedies into that. You well, know? the end of it looks very much horror. Oh, yeah. with When the gas finally shows up and shit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really am looking forward to seeing this. You know, it's just another streaming service that I'm going to have to sign up for. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or just go see it in the theater, I guess. Or maybe just rent it from Amazon or something yeah. else that allows you to rent it like HBO Max sometimes does, too. Um, next up, speaking of horror adjacency, we've got another trailer for Netflix for this December. Uh, called Don't Look Up. And this is starring Leo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence and Meryl Streep, of all people, and a billion others. Yeah, at all, really. Yeah. So, I mean, just everybody. Kate Blanchett's in this fucking uh, Ariana Grande. I mean, like, (laughs) please. Yeah. Um, I have been, like, people have been talking about this movie for months and months and months, most of the year now. And, like, it's been on lots of people's Oscar shortlist. Obviously, with a cast like that, it's going to enter that conversation. Yeah. But I have heard only good things about this movie, and I'm very, very excited to watch it. I believe this was also the movie that was being filmed while I was in Boston. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was. So, yeah, I think probably, I mean, depending on how horror adjacency don't, don't look up is, I'm sure it's not. It just looks like a really good movie about the end of the world, you know? Uh, but I'm sure that we'll be talking about Silent Night and Don't Look Up on our year-end review. Mm-hmm. They'll probably make it in there somewhere. Probably. Next up is a trailer for a Australian film called Wormwood Apocalypse. Right. This is out in theaters on February 10th of next year, so the beginning of the year. But it's already kind of being hailed as Mad Max meets Dawn of the Dead. And it's been picked up, uh, it already picked up an audience award at the 2021 Sydney Film Festival for Best Feature Film. Now, this is kind of a pseudo sequel or direct sequel to Wormwood, which was like a, came out like almost a decade ago, I think. And it has like a high critical score, but a low audience score. Um, which I'd never really heard of, but yeah, this is getting like rave reviews in comparison. So I don't know. I don't know if you have to have seen the first one or not, but it looks really, really fun based on the trailer. It does look like a lot of fun. There's, it seems like there's a lot of action, right? And sort of like zombie. A lot of gore. Yeah, lots of gore, lots of zombie-esque stuff going on. And yeah, I mean, it seems like something that I would enjoy. And now I'm kind of curious to go see this other movie too. So maybe I'll have to watch that one first before we do Apocalypse. Yeah. Finally, not quite a trailer, but the people behind Jurassic World Dominion have released what they're calling the prologue. Right. So this is an original five-minute prologue to Jurassic World Domination coming out next summer, directed by Colin Trevorrow, who did Jurassic World, I guess, the first one Mm -hmm. in the new series. Um, which is sending us back 65 million years to the past to experience the world before humans existed. It looks like a Discovery Channel animation, really, is what it looks like to me. And then we kind of flip into the future where we kind of see the original original T-Rex that was copied by the mosquito or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then we see it zoomed into the kind of... A primeval forest 65 million years later and it's kind of loose and it's going through people twister style at a movie outdoor movie theater i don't know it's i i'm kind of surprised that all that effects is done now so so long before the movie's actually out but they this is a movie release they might have actually been holding close to the chest for six months or a year and which is would explain why everything's done 
Well, I think they had intended to start filming this movie pre-pandemic and then started filming like maybe toward the end of the pandemic, right? Well, we're still in the pandemic, but at any rate, um, and we know from the last Jurassic World movie that the T-Rex made it to land again, right? Which already happened once Weird. in the movies, right? But Weird. I just, I'm just a fucking sucker for Jurassic Park movies in general. I don't care. I love Jurassic World. I thought it was great. So I'm looking forward to this. I'm just watching a T-Rex like tear through people. Yeah, they're all all right. Yeah. You know? I think some are better than all right, but it's okay. The new ones? Yeah. Okay. I, I can be like, I don't mind being, you know, in the, I don't mind having an unpopular opinion. I just think they're fun. No, it's, it's probably not unpopular. They keep making them for a hundred million dollars a piece. I'm not sure they make a lot of money, but. Oh, I'm sure they do. If they keep making them for a hundred million dollars <laughs> a piece. <laughs> it's a huge franchise and all the kids want to see them because they're big dinosaurs, you know? And oh, yeah. And uh, honestly, at the first part of this prologue, when it was showing all those dinosaurs, I thought it was just like. When they had to leave Jurassic World, like dinosaurs roaming about on their own, like naturally today. And then it's like 65 million years later or whatever. It's just literally like you expect like Steve Irwin to be like, right, there's a there's a T-Rex. <laughs> Slow down, Sheila. Over there by the Barbie. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's the, the one thing that's left in this world that fills me with a childlike wonder. You know what I mean? As some sort of fake dinosaur. But hey, that's okay. Bring on Jurassic World. Littlefoot? <laughs> that movie makes me cry too. I don't want to think about that movie. <laughs> I think that just about wraps up our Shooting the Flames conversation for December and 2021. So uh, we have a lot more coming out for you this month. We are talking about Gremlins. And Gremlins too. Finally. So my favorite Christmas movie of all time. And over on Patreon, we're, I think, giving another poll. Yeah, I think so. So like we said earlier, head over to Patreon and check us out. Vote in that poll. That's right. We always appreciate all the comments and questions. You can find us on social media to leave those comments and questions at the Film Flamers on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can email us at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com or call our hotline at 972 972- Six 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 seven seven three three. Don't leave us alone. <laughs> make our evil dead rise. Mm, make me a great migration. <laughs> <laughs> mm, totes. <laughs> oh my god! It's like my favorite part of recording now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Chris, it's time for us to go off and have a a silent night. A deadly night. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let's have some sweet sweet dreams. dreams. (laughs) Re, 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 re possessed. Get on out, get on out, out the door. Call me by your dream name. <laughs> <laughs>